Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. As I continue to go through my show notes and blow it all up and take everything in a different order. (laughs) It drives everybody around here uh, absolutely crazy. Um, I assume you will allow me a personal note here for just one moment. I got to say something, um, but it actually relates to everything else um, that I am going to talk about. I promise. Uh, Nine years ago, uh, I, well, it really was about 10 years ago, about a decade ago. So I started in in 2011 um, and shortly thereafter, random message on Twitter from some dude in Missouri who was actually from Montana. I think he just got lost one day and said, well, I got to go to one of those M states and, and uh, meant to go back to Montana, wound up in, in Missouri for some reason. And uh, he was trying to get to the Southeast. He get out of Missouri and he, he wound up working for me, Charlie, and who is, is uh, he is for purposes of my syndication and show the director of all the programming that comes before you. He oversees the ad guy for my syndication side and, and the pit finds the guest hosts and yells down the line at me and tells me when I'm screwing up and is telling me to shut up and move on right now. Um, and I'm ignoring him because, um, he started off full part-time and then moved to full-time at, uh, my flagship station WSB. And now we're like, all of a sudden we're at the grown up phase of this, this project where we are finding an office and furniture and uh, like making this our life's work. And I couldn't do it without him. And it's just very weird. And and so he's actually going to be gone the rest of this year. He's, he's taking some time to go hunting and then getting his family to Montana. And this is his last day on the radio uh, for the rest of 2022, but then we'll be back in 2023. He's not leaving me. I'm just saying it's it's weird to have gone from he was part time to to full time with WSB, and now we're just we're kind of embracing this grown up project of oh let's we've actually got a business here for the show nationwide. We we need to we need to actually focus on it more than everything else. And it's very helpful for me. I can say no, I can't do this TV show. I got to think about radio. No, I can't write this column for you. I've got to think about radio and and. I really wouldn't have that mindset except he yells at me all the time. And so I'm glad that for the next few weeks he'll be gone so he can't yell at me. But also, um, it's kind of weird for us to have gone through this now nine years together and suddenly we're like, oh, we we need an actual like office instead of doing it out of the house and stuff like that. It's just cool. Now, one of the things that he yells at me about and the whole reason I thought about this randomly is because I'm shaking up my show notes and I'm going to talk about something that I wasn't going to talk about. And now I'm going to talk about it. Surprise. Uh, I, I, I do my outline every morning and then Philip usually calls because Philip actually puts everything in, in the show notes email. You can get, if you text uh, data to three, three, seven, seven, seven and subscribe to it. And I put it in an order and inevitably I get here and I'm like, you know what? I think I'd rather talk about this instead. And so now I got to go back through and I guess I'll change the, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that title because I'll get to that 
But first, I want to say this because I wrote it about it this morning and it's it's stuck in my head and I need to talk about it to get it out of my head. And if you've listened very long, you know that I talk to think and I write to think and and you get it fresh. We are in the Christmas season. I am preparing my Christmas show. I was going to talk to a Catholic priest, and it's all fallen through. If one of you knows a Catholic priest who can get on the phone with me this week and talk, I would. I, I've I've had Presbyterians and Methodists and Baptists, and I need a priest. In any event, been thinking about the Christmas story, and you have this census, and the census, this particular census called by Caesar Augustus, requires that. Every man go to his home. So here's Joseph. He's living in Nazareth. He's got Mary, but his tribal home is Bethlehem. He's from the lineage of David, and David was from Bethlehem. And so he's got to go to Bethlehem. They got to walk. She's pregnant with child. They got to walk. Uh, she may, we presume that maybe they put her on an animal, on a donkey or some such. But to give you the sense of this, and, and I had to look it up. I've never actually had a, I, I don't believe, I don't recall any pastor ever pointing this out in a Christmas sermon. But not only was Bethlehem 90 miles south of Nazareth, that was about a four days walk if you walked all day. So it's 90 miles south of Nazareth uphill you ascend from sea le- roughly sea level, a little higher than that, a couple hundred feet up, but you go up 1,493 feet into the foothills, headed to the mountains. Bethlehem was rugged. The terrain was treacherous, hard to walk, hard for animals in the desert, but also it's cold. You know, it's, it's, um, it snows in the wintertime in Israel. It's cold there. And so they're heading, we presume, now I know some people say in the spring, but it would have been cold in the spring too, cold and wet. So whether it was the spring or the fall, the weather's not good. You're walking for four days. The wife is pregnant. You hope to have an animal. You got to stop and feed the animal. You can't exhaust the animal. You're surrounded by bandits and, and criminals who hide in the mountains and in the caves, try to rob you on the way. You're hopefully with a group of people because there's safety in numbers. And you got wild animals who will harass you along the way. It's not an easy trip. But the Romans were making people return to where they were from, where their families were from, embracing that community again. And so they went to Bethlehem. I have become a proponent of an idea. I talk about a lot here that uh, all of us, myself included, sometimes focus too much on Washington and not enough on our local community. We get worked up about things we can't fix in Washington and ignore the things we might be able to fix in our local community. When I was in my early 30s, I ran for office. I had gone on TV one night. I drove downtown. Um, and I noticed all of these massage parlors, Asian-themed, were open. They were all closed during the day. Never noticed them in the day. And at night, some of them had crowds outside. And I got curious about it. And I I, I had a blog at the time, everybody, who didn't. 
And when I wrote about it, and it's like, this, this seems odd that they're busy at night, I literally started getting threats, which of course made me more curious. There's a lady in Atlanta who reached out to me who had heard what I was writing and said she'd investigated them. Her name was Marlene, and uh, she had showed up at one one day asking for a massage, and they turned her away at the door, said men only, and that got her curious, and she realized there's a connection to human trafficking. And a lot of Asian, not all, but a lot, most of, I would suspect, Asian-themed massage parlors, they're fronts for prostitution. And in making around this time, one of them, a notorious one, was raided by the police, and there were absolutely signs of human trafficking. The women who were there spoke no English and they slept on the floors in a back room that was locked at night from the outside. Sign of human trafficking. So I ran for city council because I thought that was wrong. No one ran against me. I would actually didn't want to run. No one else wanted to run, so I ran. And uh, my whole cause, the only thing I ran on was shutting these places down. And it took four years, but I was successful. Over the last more than a dozen years, they've slowly started creeping back in. But for a while, they all shut down. They all went out of business. It was actually Brian Kemp, uh, Karen Handel before him, and then Brian Kemp, who was Secretary of State after Karen Handel. They actually helped me think about how to do this, that essentially you bypass the police power and you go to the regulatory power. That these places, if they're performing massages, they're advertised as a spa, they've got to be regulated in some capacity to make sure that people know what they're doing. You use the regulations, you use the biz, you use the building code, you make sure there are light bulbs on. You'd be surprised these Asian themed massage parlors didn't like the idea of light bulbs in all the rooms. Normal places had no problem with that. Well, then you send the business inspectors because the chief objection of those who object is, well, the police are going to go do this, and this is a victimless crime, so we should go. So instead, you send the, send the building inspectors. Say, oh, you, you, don't have a, you don't have a list of your clients. You, you don't have books. You don't have light bulbs in all the rooms. You're, you have people living here at night that violates the building code. And they all closed up, and they went away. And it was a local issue. There's a book out now, uh, The Case for Christian Nationalism. I do not recommend you read it. I'm kind of disappointed in some friends who have embraced it, and they clearly haven't read it. You know the Leroy Jenkins uh, meme? Leroy Jenkins, it's this uh, World of Warcraft video where these this group of guys, they're plotting how to um, take on a group of orcs, bad guys, and they're sitting there, and Leroy excuses himself, goes to get a drink, and they're like, all right, here's what we're going to do, guys. We've never been successful getting past this. So uh, some of you are going to come around here. You're going to cause a distraction. The rest of us, we're going to go in this way. Now, when we go this way, we know they're going to break off. And so half of us are going to go over to the right. The other half, we're going to go to the left. Those of you who are behind, a couple of you may get killed. But if you don't get killed, we're going to try to distract the fire right when you're opening fire so you don't get killed. And as you as you're, they're going through all this, you suddenly hear the voice of Leroy Jenkins say, I'm back. Let's go. Leroy Jenkins. And he, and he storms in and... Everybody dies again. The guy's not really paying attention, and he rushes through. Um, it, it, this this strikes me, uh, this book by Stephen Wolf as a Leroy Jenkins moment that a group of guys are sitting around. They're all probably reformed, which means they're having bourbon and cigars, and they're all talking about, you know, we should be Christian nationalists. We should embrace Christian nationalism. We should have this. Uh, we should take over the country and make it all Christian again. Ha, 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 ha. And Wolf goes, Leroy Jenkins, and writes a 488-page book on how we uh, defending violent revolution and a takeover of the government, uh, essentially. He does and he doesn't. He's He he basically tries to use Christian theology and, and the Bible while saying, I'm no theologian, I'm no Bible scholar, but here it is. Quotes, I think a buddy of mine told me 18 times, quotes, scripture, that's it. 
in a 488-page book on Christian nationalism. It's not a, not a good book. I don't recommend it. But the whole idea is, is we need a Christian nation. Actually, you know what? You need to be a Christian if you're a Christian or a Jewish if you're Jewish or Buddhist if you're Buddhist and focus on your local community. See, I have this theory that instead of being fixated all the time on Washington, D.C., or even on your state capital, if you don't live in your capital, what if you and your family commit to your local community to make your local community better, to get involved in your local community, to run for city council or school board instead of state senator, U.S. Congress, run for dog catcher, be the best dog catcher you can be, run for coroner, do something, or don't run for office at all. Commit yourself to your local battered women's shelter, your local food bank, your local soup kitchen, your local charity. And you get people in the community to know you as a person of faith in your community. And I suspect if all of us did this and we plowed our our efforts into our local communities, we stayed in touch with what's going on in Washington. We can agitate against it where we want. We can tune in and find out the news, but also we focus on our local community. And if we do that, we improve our local community. And if people in other communities in our state do it, we improve those communities. Ultimately, we improve our state. If people in other states do the same thing and they improve their local communities and thereby improve their states, well, now you've improved two states at least, thereby contributing to some overall improvement in your country. And if all the 50 states had people in the 50 states do this in their communities and improve their states, then we've improved our nation of states by finding the ministry field in our backyard instead of angrily banging on keyboards and screaming at talk shows and TV shows about things we can't control in Washington. God tells us to seek the welfare of the community in which we live because there we'll find our welfare. We got all these people on the right these days in an absolute state of dread and existential crisis about the goings on of Washington. The election didn't go our way. There's doom and gloom and we can't control any of that but we have the potential to improve the lives of someone in our community. And frankly, I think things overall continue to get worse. I think you will see more persecution of people in faith in this country as the nuns begin to grow out and the grace of Christianity recedes. And where you're going to find the grace and the mercy of others is in your local community where you've been a loving neighbor to them and they reciprocate as a loving neighbor to you when people elsewhere hate you and your values and they understand you're not the monster others say, they know you. The people who know you the best are the ones who are closest to you. And there you will find your welfare because you have sought the welfare of those people. It just makes sense to me that maybe instead of all of us always being hag-ridden, driven off the cliff of fear and doubt and dread and despair of things we can't control, that we find those things we can control and we work to improve those, which is ourselves and our family improving the community around us. And by that community improving, we improve the county. And by that county improving, we improve the state. And by that state improving, we improve the nation. Start at the bottom and work your way up instead of at the top where you have no control. The feet move the head. The head doesn't move the feet. 
a friend of mine and I were discussing bull and branch sheets the other night when he was sitting on the front porch with me, and he didn't believe that they got softer and softer every time you washed them. His wife was not convinced at all. She figured it was all marketing hype. Now she wants bull and branch sheets for all of their beds at home. Why? Because they really do get softer every time you wash them. They're free of toxins, pesticides, harsh chemicals at every step of the process. They're the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. They're made by artisans who earn the pay and the respect they deserve. And right now you can bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bolin Branch Bedding. Their signature sheets even come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. It's going to look good. It's going to feel great. For a limited time, get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com. Promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K at BolinBranch.com. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't take this time to mention Mike Leach. Um, He has passed away. If you have not heard the news yet, some of you may not know who he is. Uh, He was a rather infamous football coach for Mississippi State. He was 61 years old. His team is headed to a bowl game. uh, And he, of course, will be looking down on them from heaven. He had a massive heart attack uh, from what press reports are suggesting. And he was a very quirky man. Uh, He was in his third head coaching stint. He had been at Texas Tech from the year 2000 to 2009 at Washington State from 2012 to 2019. Uh, He was the AFCA National Coach of the Year in 2018 at Washington State. Uh, then moved in 2019 over to Mississippi State and was really just an interesting guy. He taught classes in history. Uh, He even taught essentially uh, the World War II history as if they were football plays. Uh, His 158 career wins were ranked fifth among active coaches. Um, Just... um, Really, really a tremendously highly regarded person. And uh, he, based on the news that happened the other day, he was air flighted um, from a small hospital near Starkville, Mississippi, to the University of Mississippi Medical Center um, and was placed on life support until his family could all get there and taken off right around Christmas season. That sucks for anybody. Um, keep his family in prayers, please. Um, uh, lots of just uh, the Arizona Cardinal coach, Cliff Kingsbury, played under him at uh, Texas Tech. Uh, Nick Saban was a friend of his. Everybody speaking just extremely highly of him. And uh, keep his family in your prayers, please. What a tragedy this time of year. Mm. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country, fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington 
that's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I got a, I feel like I'm picking fights that I don't mean to pick fights on. I just, stuff's been on my mind. And, you know, now that the news cycle has slowed down, I can get to some stuff that I otherwise wouldn't have gotten to. And this is kind of relevant to to stuff uh, that I need to talk about. Um, Sam Bankman-Fried has been arrested in the Bahamas. He uh, was arrested after prosecutors in the U.S. filed criminal charges. This is from the New York Times. They call it a stunning development. It's not stunning. It would have been stunning if he wasn't. The arrest was the latest stunning development in one of the most dramatic falls from grace in recent corporate history. Mr. Bankman-Fried, 30, was scheduled to testify in Congress on Tuesday about the collapse of FTX, which was one of the most powerful firms in the emerging crypto industry until it imploded virtually overnight last month after a run on deposits exposed an $8 billion hole in the accounts. Prosecutors for the Southern District of New York confirmed that Mr. Bankman-Fried had been charged and said an indictment would be unsealed on Tuesday. Separately, the Securities and Exchange Commission said in a statement it had authorized charges related to Mr. Bankman-Fried's violations of our securities laws. The criminal charges include wire fraud, wire fraud conspiracy, securities fraud, securities fraud conspiracy, and money laundering. He was the only person charged thus far taken into custody. It turns out that um, some of the people who worked with him had a Slack channel that is an online portal where they can kind of do direct messages and in Uh, They called it wire fraud. Separately, Sam Britton is no longer a Department of Energy employee. He is out. Uh, Sam Britton is the transgender or non-binary, whatever you want to call it. He's the sociopath who worked for the Biden administration who's facing charges for stealing luggage at separate airports. By law, the Department of Energy cannot comment further on personnel matters. Sam Britton is no longer a DOE employee. That's all it said. Now, Britton also appears to have fabricated part of his origin story. He says he was in torture therapy as a young child for years, but he can't remember the therapist's name. Uh, It appears now even his parents have uh, said it's not really true and that they're were no, no known conversion therapy places as he described it in Florida at the time. But that story kind of made him a cause celeb. He's the the weird dude with bald head who dresses in women's clothes and believes that to have sex, you should dress up as a dog or some such deeply demented individual who clearly had deep issues and yet was mainstreamed. Um, I, I, I do find it a little bit ironic that so many of the people who rush to advance the transgender agenda put forward these people who are clearly nut jobs 
uh, and uh, it discredits the whole affair. You, you don't even have to do it for them. They, they, they do it for themselves. But I bring up those two stories that are independent of each other to talk about something else that kind of bothers me. The number of people I know who were very adamant, insistent, well, of course Sam Britton's not going to be charged with theft of luggage. He works for the Biden administration. He can get away with whatever he wants. And of course Sam Bankman-Fried is not going to be charged because he was a big Democratic donor. They're going to give him a pass. If he's charged, it'll be a slap on the wrist. He'll do no jail time. Part of this is notable because there is a deep skepticism of this Democratic administration. There is a report out that the head of the Civil Rights Department of the Justice Department has openly admitted she intended to target and arrest pro-life activists as payback for Roe v. Wade. You can understand the political motivations. And I do think that even people like me who are a little frustrated with the conspiracy talk, you got to recognize it's kind of earned Now, I know people on the left don't want to admit that, but the Biden Justice Department is clearly politicized. There is a legitimate law on the books that prohibits protesting in front of the homes of federal judges, and yet um, Merrick Garland won't enforce that law. You can kind of see the politicization of the Justice Department, but I don't think it's healthy for a lot of pundits and commentators on podcasts and talk radio shows and the like to just be matter of fact that, well, of course nothing's going to happen to this guy because he's a Democrat. Guess what? He's being charged. He lost his job at the Department of Energy. Uh, Sam Britton is. Uh, To to come out and just say these things matter-of-factly up front destroys your own credibility. On top of that, it allows people to get the conspiracy wheels going even further. I I know someone who heard the story about Sam Britton and the the podcaster said, well, I mean, he's not going to be charged because he works for the Biden administration. They took it as fact and were furious. And they asked me about it. I said, no, that's not true. He may not be charged except the charges are at the state level. And the charges were um, in Las Vegas and where else was it? Minneapolis. That they weren't federal charges. The the federal government can't interfere with that. Just just do some thinking. And the same with Sam Bankman Fried. And of course, you now there know there are a lot of people out there saying, "Well, he's going to be Epstein. Epstein didn't hang himself either." Like the dude's still alive. I don't know the circumstances, but I mean, why are we jumping to? Oh, he's not going to be charged. Oh, he's charged. Well, they're going to kill him. Why? Why are people doing this all of a sudden? Um, It's this phenomenon, I guess, of the Internet and people talking back and forth to each other and people embracing this. And I go back to this Stephen Wolf book I mentioned, uh, The Case for Christian Nationalism. It really, really feels like to me that uh, this book feels to me. And I say feel because it's an emotional reaction to this sort of stuff. It's not a very thoughtful book anyway. But it just feels like one of those things where a group of guys were sitting around having a few drinks. 
they start blustering about the state of the country and and the fallen world and and the, you know we we should advocate for Christian nationalism. We should have the Christians take over, purge the heretics, and we could clean up the nation. And they're all kind of they're they're kind of tipsy. They got a few cigars and some bourbon in them, and they're all laughing about it. And the one guy's like, "Yes, yes, we should. I in fact will write a 488 page thesis on it and publish it as a book." And the other guy's, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! We weren't really serious. We were drunk." The problem is there's always crazy town that embraces this sort of stuff. I just, the, the whole conspiracy thinking on, on this, stuff, I don't, I don't find it helpful. I will say, yes, I do think it's true. We're, we're living in a day and age where a lot of things that people said weren't true with COVID came to be true. It is also true. I think that there is some level of dismissiveness that, uh, you know, the virus did evolve over time. And so things that weren't true in the beginning, the virus evolved and things that weren't true became true, not because they were always true, but because the virus evolved. But there are some things that were true the whole time too. I do think that a lot of people in the public health community have been a little bit too dismissive of myocarditis and problems and reactions to the vaccines. I also do think it's a little bit nutty that all of a sudden anyone who falls over dead is, oh, must have the COVID vaccine. Do you know the number one cause of death of, of people in their 19 to 45 in, in 2019 before COVID? Heart, cardiac event. People just want to extrapolate. And, and it, it, the BS artists of social media make a lot of money out of it. My problem here is this. I, I am more and more encountering people who they they listen to the podcaster or the talk radio show host, the, the TV pundit say things and they just say, well, they're because they have a platform, they are there, they must be credible, they must be true. So when they say that Sam Britton will not be charged because he works for the Biden administration or Sam Bankman Freed will not be charged with anything because he uh, is a big Democratic donor, other people believe it's true. And part of that is we have outsourced our thinking to other people. I very often feel like, feel like I think, it's not even a feeling, it's a think. I very often think part of my job in here is to deprogram people uh, from the crazy things that even people on my side say. And you know, sometimes they get it right and I get it wrong. And I try to tell you when I got it wrong and they got it right. But oftentimes they're just kind of throwing stuff out there. And they're being flippant, and you don't understand that they're being flippant. And that, I have a concern about that because it allows people to go down rabbit holes in their thinking instead of seeing the world clearly. And if you can't see the world clearly, you can't fix the problems in the world. When you really believe that, well, the, the, the gig is up, this guy isn't going to be charged because he's a Democrat, well, at some point you just give up fighting because, well, the system is stacked against us so much we can't, or it leads people to violence. I mean, this part of my problem with this uh, Stephen Wolf book is, is he largely is advocating for a revolution, like violent revolution to get his way. And he dances around it enough. He can give himself plausible deniability, but it's, it's clearly there implied. Uh, and I am, I'm, I'm not the only one to read it that way. And it's all, all kind of crazy talk with a veneer of legitimacy. And I'm kind of tired of people doing crazy talk with veneers of legitimacy. Yes, listen, I'm very open with you guys. Like I said yesterday, 
I really do think that part of the whole transgender thing is people who are Malthusians who believe we need population control and are worried about the earth more than they are people have totally embraced gender dysphoria because why not convince boys to castrate themselves and girls to give themselves hysterectomies so that they don't reproduce and we can solve the population crisis by endorsing gender dysphoria. But I'm open up front with you that this is my conspiracy theory. A lot of other people just tell it to you as fact and don't even recognize it's kind of their, their, their fringe theory that they're saying out loud and i actually do think i'm right on mine too but i'll put it in proper context for you the bottom line is that sam Britton is going to be charged with theft he has lost his job and if you have had loud voices in your ear telling you that well nothing's going to happen to this guy because he works for the Biden administration Just make a mental note of who those voices were on the right who said that. Sam Bankman-Fried has been charged by the Southern District of New York with a host of crimes. The SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, are also investigating him and and have charges ready to go against him for securities issues. Uh, There were a lot of people who said that would have. Just make a mental note of who those voices were and, and maybe tread more cautiously in the future. I have a, a Yeti tumbler for my show, a, a big, big 16 ounce I fill up with coffee. And on the one side, it has the show logo. And on the other side, it says truth matters most. And it doesn't say your truth. It doesn't say my truth. It says the truth. I don't think we can fix problems if we can't commit to being honest and truthful. We can't combat the left with our truth. We can fight the left with the truth. And when we have people on the right who are misleading people and sending them down rabbit holes and into conspiracy thinking that the rest of the world can't relate to, we nominate a bunch of crap candidates who in a good year for the GOP lose because most people aren't willing to descend into the rabbit holes of crazy town with us. So commit yourself to the truth and to the voices that are telling you stuff that pan out not to be true. Just make a note for yourself in the future. And above all else, do not ever let me do your thinking for you. And do not let any other person do your thinking for you. In a convoluted, crazy, busy world, it's very easy to outsource thinking to other people. I don't ever want to think for you. I do want to tell you what the truth is and what's going on so you can think for yourself. But let's just stop letting celebrities think for us. That's what the left is supposed to do. And the more we do it, the more we go to crazy town. The more we go to crazy town, the more we put up crap candidates. And the more we put up crap candidates, the worse of a time we have beating the other side. It's one reason I like Americans for Prosperity, because they work very hard on keeping themselves reality-based, like real-world reality-based, what's going on in the world. And that's why I encourage you to join up with them because they actually give you the facts, the real facts and the real public policy positions that actually uh, move things to the right. And they make you a better activist. They make you relatable. They they help you uh, learn your arguments better. And they are committed absolutely to free markets and free people. If you believe in conservative small government, AFP is right for you. You can join them at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. 
Join up now. they got local chapters. They're not just a D.C. think tank. They do stuff all over the nation. They give you all the information you need to sharpen your arguments, make you a better conservative activist. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. All you need to do is reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com, FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. Now, I shall go over here to the phones and talk to Randy. Welcome to the show, Randy. Merry Christmas. Eric, can you hear me? I'm on I Bluetooth. can hear you. Yep, yep. You sound good, fine. Good. That's awesome. You never know with these things, right? It's That's good to true. Talk to you. I want to let you know something real quick. My wife and I and other people that we know pray for you and your family a lot. I sure appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and thank you, and I hope you all have a great uh, Christmas season. I wanted to make a comment about you brought up Christian nationalism in the book you read. You know, this kind of concept goes back a long way at the fringes of Christianity. During the Y2K era, which I remember really well, there there was a thing called Christian constructionism. And what they believed was this group of people, and there was a disparate group of people around the country, they were promoting this theory that everything was going to fall apart and then the Christians would rise and take over. After the Y2K, all of the computers were going to go down, yeah. and everything was going to crash, which that didn't happen, right? <laughs> it's kind of like the, like the Millerites who prophesied that Jesus was going to come back on like 20 different days before they gave up. Right? But anyway, Christian constru- this Christian nationalism thing is so silly. It is because it's totally contrary to any teachings that Jesus ever gave us. Yeah, he's more I, concerned about the condition of our heart than the government we live under. Uh, look, yeah, render unto Caesar what is Caesar. Yeah, I, I find the idea absurd, and I'm actually kind of alarmed at the number of people I know who've embraced this idea. Uh, which, I mean, if we live in a pluralistic democratic society is going to be really hard to convince everyone to go your way and and what do you do and then of course and randy look i gotta leave you there because because time is short but thank you so much for the kind words as well so let's let, play this out okay so the christians take over the government and they implement christian nationalism and the government is designed to draw people closer to god and depending on which page of the book you read in this case for christian nationalism you will affirm or deny that really the thing is just so wishy-washy and um, it, it trying to say what it wants without uh, saying what it wants. So it gives gives the guy an out. But so you get the Christian started. Okay, now who? The Catholics or the Orthodox? The Protestants. Okay, which which Protestants? Do we put the Methodists in charge? The Baptists? The Pres- Well, of course, you'd put the Presbyterians in charge because we got the best lawyers. Um, but uh, the, then what do you do with everyone else? And, and when you disagree on doctrine, where does the government actually go? Whose view of God reigns supreme and then what do you do with the muslims and the jews and and the the atheists and and do they not get a say in government um you know this is the last fight honestly this whole idea that we should use god all of us as christians muslims jews buddhists whoever should be able to be guided by our faith and speak to the world based on our views that's not christian nationalism that's just we all have our own morals and worldview, and we shouldn't have to set it aside when we engage in politics, and the one who does the best wins. Um, but this idea that we use gov- government imposing God on people never works because the government imposes the government on people, and God becomes a tool of government, which means he's not God. <laughs> 